Hello and welcome to the Slashers Podcast. My name is Jake with my co-host... Brian. How's it going, guys? It is a pleasure to be here with you, my good friend. Uh, I have a quick question for you. Do you know what you were doing 930 days ago exactly? Oh, shit. 930 days. Hold, please. That would be... Uh, no pressure, no pressure, no pressure. Two and a half years ago. Yep. Um, be 29... So May twenty fifth, two thousand sixteen. God damn it! I I don't know. <laughs> we recorded the last episode of Overtime MMA podcast. Are you kidding me? I have had blue balls ever since to get back <laughs> in a recording studio with you, my friend. So uh, oh, this man. is long overdue, and I think that this is the start of something super fun. So for those of you who have no idea what the fuck we're talking about, it's because you're not one of the four people who listen to our bullshit <laughs> podcast, and I hope you're one of the five people who listen to this fucking podcast. Well, uh, it's it's good to be back. It's good. Absolutely. Back. So this podcast is kind of the brainchild of Brian and myself. Uh, we're two guys who love horror movies, and it started off as a hockey-themed horror sh- podcast where I called it uh, two minutes for or two for slashing, as in there are two of us and we are pro slashing. Semicolon, however, comma that's a fucking mouthful, and um, I want to make it as easy <laughs> for people as possible. So slashers podcast or just slashers is what we're going to be, and uh, I'm excited to move forward, Brian. What movie are we talking about today? Well, it's a little movie I like to call Event Horizon. I don't know if you guys are aware. It's uh, pretty fucking sweet. It's, uh, you know, it's a, one of those space odyssey kind of horror flicks with, uh, I don't know, a little bit of uh, imagination as far as um, who the monster is and whatnot. You know, it seems like it takes um, anybody that has kind of like inner demons... And uh, kind of projects it onto them. Did you notice that? Yeah, I think. Yeah, the I think the when a horror movie is really effective is when it makes your imagination do the legwork. And I always give this example when I talk about horror movies: The Exorcist. When I was a kid, that movie was right, fucking right. terrifying. Granted, I was watching it at age six, but the idea to me wasn't scary that there was a little girl puking. The idea that was scary to me was this: this shit could happen yeah. to me. I could be this person. I could be possessed or whatever. And so in this movie, it's very similar. Like when the lady... Spoilers, sorry. <laughs> if you're watching a horror movie review podcast about a movie, you ought to have seen the movie. Right, and I'm not right. apologetic. Um, but when the lady sees the embodiment of her dead son, you know, that, that the little kid is not See, objectively scary. What's messed up is... So I got a question it. there. Um, they, okay, so this is kind of going and delving into the actual movie itself, like, but like when you said, you know, it's a projection of her dead son, is it her dead son? Because I'm pretty sure she was talking, wasn't she talking to like her ex or somebody about having him over? That's right. Fair. Yeah, right. I mean, okay. Okay. So it's like kid. I should it's have a said that. Sick You're kid. exactly right. He's not dead. He's just very ill. Right. And. And that's and that's exactly. something that uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of neat and it's funny because I've actually um, I kind of see this coinciding with like uh, The Shining, right? As far as um, oh yeah, kind of you know it's it's very similar with like uh, Cabin Fever. You know, you're up in space, you're stuck up in space with uh, the same people, and uh, your imagination kind of just like attacks yourself. You know, attacks you basically. 
Yeah, so tonight I was listening to a bluegrass cover of Crazy Train. Uh, and I know you're thinking, what the hell does any of that have to do with <laughs> where's, space? Where's the segue? Bear with me. <laughs> it's the idea of a mashup. You know, you're taking two things that are familiar that you like, and you're creating something, while not wholly and independently unique, it's still interesting. So this is really just a haunted house in space. It's uh, with a dash of Christine right, talking about right. a vehicle. But otherwise... Something that's very familiar. That's one of the things that helps you engage in a movie where, especially when you look at, this is 97. This is not 2018, where you have people who are at least pretend to be much more scientifically sophisticated when it comes to space travel and yada yada. Um, So it propels you and you can kind of move along. I saw one of the biggest criticisms of this movie being, oh, well, it cuts over and you just breezes past a bunch of stuff. Well, I think that's one of the things that makes it an effective movie is because... I don't have to sit there and have 30 minutes of expository right, right. blurbing. I can just move into, oh, that's a yeah. fucked up vision. And at the same What's time, next? though, you got to imagine, um, I mean, the director's really working with what he has. Uh, the the studio basically like was like, no, this is too long. We need to get rid of a bunch of junk. And he's like, uh, what? So, well, And the MPAA is like, nah, dog, we're not, right. we're not about that. So. But here's the thing. So, you know, I don't want to make it sound like I'm talking down about people from the 90s. I mean, we were children in the 90s, but still, you know. Um, but I want to ask you, what movie do you think came out the same day as this? And it will show you how fucking stupid people were mm. who went to the movies. Because this movie I'm about to talk about crushed Event Horizon. Yeah, box I'm not office. sure. I don't know. Nothing comes to mind. It would be Steel with Shaquille O'Neal. You just made a rhyme. I did. And it's, I'm not, it's the worst thing ever. The week before was the full Monty. The week after was Mimics. Right, kind of shows right. You I mean, well. The atmosphere around. You know, yeah. Mimics. Mimic that was the good. same. We Mimics, might Mimic in the future. To be fair, Mimic was pretty good, but. So why did we pick this movie, uh, Well, I mean, I like it personally just because uh, it's one of those movies that kind of sneaks under the radar. I feel like not a lot of people actually know about this movie. It's it's something that I you know hopefully some people uh, check out the podcast and uh, piques their interest and um, you know I think one of the things that is really interesting about this movie is if you go maybe five years between each time you see it it's really exciting oh absolutely if you watch it within the next couple of years and that's one of the things with me I've watched this probably two or three times in the last two or three years and you know it, the reason I watch it is to introduce it to new people and so that's always kind of exciting to do. But if you just look at it almost through rose-colored lenses and you're, like, eager for those big beat moments, it's a really good movie. But we were kind of talking about there's a lot of things wrong with this movie that maybe, you know, a little bit more time, a little bit better pacing. Yeah, You could have a classic as opposed to a cult classic. Right. And, you know, it's – I I like checking out movies that are – I guess you call them underdogs when it comes to critics because, I mean, let's be honest, I can give two shits about what critics say. Um, you know, Ron... Hey, f- for the record, uh, the movie Hook with Robin Williams is rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. So they can suck my dick. Yeah, that is like one of the, probably one of the greatest, um, I don't know, at least for me, childhood movies that um, I can remember. Uh, shit, I can't even... Who played Hook? It was um, Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman. And it's funny because every time I see it, I'm like, "That's not Dustin Hoffman." It's t- it's it's a trip. 
But uh, yeah, I mean, anyway, going back to the horror movie, <laughs> we will deviate like that quite a bit. Yeah, that'd because be cool. I think that, that'd be cool. Well, I think you and myself, we are, we don't look at horror movie as I think most people look at horror movies, where it's something spooky and creepy. We I always look at a horror movie with just a little bit of humor, no matter what well, you, the subject matter is. Yeah, you, I mean, for me, like I have to, and it's not something that I'm like purposely doing. It's just something that I already know going in that it's fake. Like, at the end of the day, it's a fake movie. Like, I mean, I get it. Some people are just really, really afraid of these, you know, horrors. They don't like their, their, you know, queasy and this and that. That's fine, you know, if you don't like the blood and guts. But um, that's just really good editing. (laughs) Really good makeup. So going to what we'll call the penalties of the movie, what are some of the things that you felt this movie could end I realize that we should do a spoiler synopsis before going into the penalties, but I think this kind of will help us have some beats. Right, later on. right, so right. Yeah, that, if you don't that like works. it, let us know in the comments. Yeah, so, I mean, for me... Okay, first off, okay, um, Mama Bear. I, don't, I forget her name, like, in the That's actual... That's all you need. Yeah, Mama Bear, right? There's Thank Baby you. Bear and Mama Bear. So, anyways, Mama Bear is... Real quick, let me derail you. Okay. The little kid who's Baby Bear... When he talks, it sounds like the guy from something about Mary who has the crutches and the British accent, right? <laughs> it does. The same it really guy. does. It, um, and it's funny. Right, with, keep going. It's, it's funny because the first time I saw him, I'm like, oh, it's like baby Christian Slater. That's... Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah, Mama Bear's death just is like so incredibly lazy right yeah it's like okay she's running after like the image of her like dying kid so she's running up the stairs and she turns a corner and she sees him across this massive hole and she just like reaches forward towards him and falls like it's i don't know it doesn't seem like it makes any sense whatsoever and, I'm totally with you. Yeah, it, it, like, if you added like the goofy falling sound to it, I wouldn't ask any questions. I think <laughs> it's actually kind of appropriate. I think that might even make it a little bit more unnerving if there was a cartoon sound effect. But whenever I watch that scene, I always think of like a, a Cal OSHA inspector going around and looking at hazards throughout the ship and being like, uh, <laughs> shouldn't there be a handrail around this giant pit where people fall into a gravity drive there? Right. And you, I don't okay. know why he'd have a Wisconsin accent if he's Kalosha, but I think you get the point. And another thing, too, right, is she's falling in slow-mo, and then when she does actually hit the the water, she's she, she fell on her back. like, And it seems like when she's falling forward face first, I don't know, it just seems like it would be like, I don't know, it seems too organized in the way that she fell i guess that's just yeah, me poetic right right and that's just um, maybe me just um i don't know nitpicking a little bit too much i don't think but... so because she even hits debris as she's falling down right so right they, they, right they were cognizant of some kind of physics but they just wanted that kind of poetic lying on her back with the blood shooting out and i was like nah, i'm not for it right that, and then... I, I think you're right i think lazy is like the perfect way to describe that one where it's like oh fuck we got too many bodies and not enough of them are dead so right just right out of the way and then and then another one that just kind of right off the bat was when they did their like brief interrupt uh in introductions 
they <laughs> it's like okay well you know i'm so and so uh you know my name's uh what was it miller you know i'm captain miller and uh this and that and this is and they just kind of do a, a quick run around on everybody but like i'm pretty sure after the entire scene of introductions you're like i have no idea who any of these people are there's no so actually i can give you uh a really awesome tutoring moment here to help you know who each character is so Lawrence Fishburne is Thin Morpheus. <laughs> uh, That's funny because I have I have it written in my notes. He's a uh, Thin Morpheus. I actually have that written down. <laughs> Sam Neill is dinosaur guy without a hat. Uh, was it Kathleen Quinlan is just Mama Bear because she has no other identifiable characteristics. Uh, uh, Jolie Richardson or Stark is not Laura Dern. Not Laura Dern. That's right. Richard T. Jones or Cooper is Axel Foley in space. <laughs> Jack Noseworthy is noteworthy for being Christian Slater Jr. Uh, DJ is Malfoy's dad. And all the other people, I couldn't give two shits less about. Oh my so. god, it's so funny. I had no idea that that was Malfoy's dad. Now that you say it, I'm, that's all I can see in my head. Damn. Right? It's hard to see him with short dark hair when it's long and white and all the movies that he's been in. That's really good. Um, yeah. So back to penalties. Okay, here's Keep another. Going. Here's another one that I thought was uh, stupid. Right, the um, uh, Malfoy's dad, basically, uh, or Draco's father. Um, right, it's supposedly he's a doctor, and uh, um, Jurassic Park dude goes and grabs a fucking um, what is it called? The uh, scalpel. Right, is it a scalpel? Right, yeah. and then it just like cuts away, and you're like, okay, well, I kind of have an idea what's going on, and then it kind of pans to him, like when was it Mama Bear goes over there and and sees him, like flayed out on yeah. like over the table, but it's just like a brief, doesn't even seem like it's like a full scene. It's kind of like a, a side shot almost. Yeah, I think a lot of the scenes kind of end too quickly, like when Lawrence Fishburne first sees the Burning Man. Oh, that's so just, weird. There's a ghost on fire, and then it's just the next scene. And it's like, okay, I don't care then. Like, if there's no story here, and it's just some guy. And then they obviously have little monologue or soliloquy or whatever the hell later when he's like, oh, yeah, he died on my watch, and nobody else would die on my watch. I'm like, bitch, you're wrong. A lot of people are going to die on your watch. It's a horror movie. Right. You should have read the poster right, before you right. took the job. So here's but, a, here's another one that I'd like to bring up is, um, what's that girl's name? Uh, Jolie Richardson? Is that the one that right, the so not Laura Dern? Not Laura Dern. That's right. So not Laura Dern is in the entire movie. What a whole eight minutes, maybe. Yeah, and then like, she's miraculously the star she, of the movie. Yeah, she's she's like uh, the one that gets saved, or you know. And let me, like, can I can I point something out to you in terms of penalties? Uh, the guy Axel Foley in space. First of all, he is sexually. Lycidivus to that woman. Oh, absolutely. But they have they that, have history. They have history. Well, at the end, when she falls out of the tube, and he's like holding her, and he says, "We're all right, Stark. We're all right." Watch his right hand. He is copping a feel. He is what? Beverly Hills copping a feel like you would not believe. It, it, it blew my mind to watch. <laughs> I was like, "This motherfucker right here's Harvey Weinsteining this lady." Damn man, he's got to get somewhere he can. Seriously. Anyway, keep going. Or can I jump in with a couple of my No, penalties? man, go for it, because I, I, I think I've kind of run down the list for me. 
So I think the big thing is obviously the editing on this movie is a chop job. Right. And so that's one of the things. The one thing that I think would have made this movie way more effective is some kind of disorienting camera effect, um, something to show that these people are being more bewitched than fooled. Right. That, like that, Mama that makes Bear. Sense. Like if you're a logical person and you see uh, your little son uh, near the planet Neptune walking around in a ski jacket. Your logical mind's going to be like, nah, that can't be. Right. So this is a smart, sophisticated woman. Let's do something to kind of show she's not in her right mind. Okay, yeah. That's... And and I think that kind of goes to Sam Neill as well. There's a couple parts where he like is outright you know, insidious when he's like, we are home. And then backs <laughs> into the shadows. And then the next time you see him, he's like, what's going on? And it's like, you're the same guy? Who is that? Right, right. So something like that to kind of tie it together a little bit more, I think would be hugely helpful. Um, and then kind of picking a lane. Like, I know I said that I, I like the mashing crossover or whatever, but, you know, you have the idea that it's the immune system of the ship, which is possessed by a demon, or is it, is it, you know, is it hell itself? Is it, it's kind of amorphous. And I think that the idea of the, um, immune system is really compelling but then you need to establish some kind of life force otherwise it's just like an idea of an amoeba so what it's doing isn't dastardly or evil it's just survival right. does that make sense it's kind of a weird concept to me but it's like if that's just its survival mechanism i don't feel bad i mean yeah really. yeah absolutely but you know at the same time it's it's also very vague on how they describe it right so it's like a living entity the ship is a living entity but like there isn't any way of combating it it's just it just is, right? Yeah, and it's like they know too much and not enough at the same time because they know too much for it to be complete wild speculation because that's kind of interesting. Like, think of Predator when they're like freaking out in the jungle because they have no idea what's going on. None of them are offering hypotheses as to what's happening. They're reacting. But in this movie, they're like, oh, well, this and this and this and this, but it's not enough to fully diagnose it and it's not enough to be right, delayed. Right, right, right. And that, that also kind of brings up another point that I completely forgot about is how many times was uh, Captain Miller going to just completely be baffled on something and then just question uh, Weir, Dr. Weir? Like, yeah. huh, I don't know, Doctor, what do you think? And it's like clearly he's telling you that everything's fine. Or it's, oh, it was something to do with atmospheric gravity and you're imagining things. It's like, come on, it's a little far-fetched. In talking about the atmosphere, have you noticed that people online are obsessed with the fact that they call the ship, they say that the ship is in deep freeze, but the first thing you see in the ship is is Is, is like liquid floating. <laughs> people flip the hell out about that. And I'm like, really? Of all the things. Like, yeah. you don't give a shit about demons. That's how you explain it away. <laughs> Demon water doesn't that's, freeze. That's pretty good. Yeah. Another, so anyway, I think that moving forward, yeah, we yeah. should switch it and do the synopsis before this, because it sounds like we're really down on the movie, but I like this movie. No, absolutely. I like the movie as well. It definitely has its quirks that um, kind of make it rewatchable, you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, uh, and there's enough subtlety to where you can really pick up on new things each time, I think. Right. And um, Another one that I want, wanted to bring up, sorry I'm bringing up a lot of movie penalties, but... No, dude, go for it. I mean... They just kind of briefly talk about, like, how, I don't know, they 
we're going on another rescue mission or this or that. And they're like, oh, man, we've been away for so long. It's like they've been together for a long time. Like they've had missions in the past. And it's like they're all the same crew. And they're like seasoned vets, right? Well, then like Sam Neill comes and just becomes possessed. And he's like some weirdo. And like these guys all of a sudden turn into, I don't know. It seems like they're, so, they're all civilians. They have no idea how to defend themselves whatsoever. I mean, I get it. It's like a demonic presence or something, but I don't know. I feel like they should have been able to put up a little more of a fight than what they did. Well, here's something. I have a very distinct theory that the people who made that video game Dead Space were obsessed with this movie. Because if you even look at that character's helmet, it looks like the front of the event horizon. And if you look in the movie, nobody uses a weapon. At best, they use that rivet gun. Yeah. And so I think it's something like... They're a they're not a SEAL ops rescue team. They're like more of a salvage team, which I think would have showed if they had shot a deleted scene that I read about where it was them doing a saving maneuver. Right. It wasn't right. a military op. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, I get it, like, the time and cost. I mean, this movie cost a buttload yeah, to that, I was uh, I was reading up on that. It's like... 60 mil to make i think it like uh net like 26 or something so i did a conversion on that to inflation uh just the 20 years from 97 to 2017 so 60 million becomes 93 million almost 94 million and then the box office domestic gross of 26 million is only 41 million which we're talking about i mean pretty bad it's basically almost double right i mean that's insane Yeah, that's that's no bueno. But, so, uh, yeah, go on. Let's do a synopsis of the movie. Pretty much, I like to, exp- to describe this movie with pr- just Sam Neill's opening, where I, you know he talks about um, the Event Horizon, the ship that uses a warp drive, that using what's called the gravity drive, it disappears in what it's trying to do faster than light travel. And the way they do that is by bending space-time, entering a wormhole, yeah, coming like, out the location. I was they gonna want. say it's it's basically a war- wormhole, right? And it's yeah. it's you know it's I like I I really do like the way he uh, described it to the crew. I feel like that was really really uh, well done with the piece of paper. I feel like it's a little played out, like it's. Actually, it's been in a couple movies. I think as far as uh, like contact when they bend the right, right, right. Yeah. But I mean, it, it gets it. It's a quick, easy explanation. It makes sense organically in the movie that he's explaining it. It's not just exposition. It's like, hey, I'm informing these characters, right. not just the audience. Right. So while it's gone, you know, there's the argument: does it go to hell? Does it go to a different dimension? Blah blah blah. It seems pretty clear it's hell. They even refer to hell in Latin. But you get the point. Um, it comes out, and this team goes to do salvage. Um, so that's the basic premise of the movie. Once they get to the ship. It starts to, quote-unquote, defend itself with its immune system. And then you have hallucinations, possession, disembodiment. You know, it's just everybody kind of has their own symptom, which is interesting, but at the same time, kind of confusing, right? Oh, very much so. Um, one of the things that, another thing that I wanted to bring up, too, is I thought it was really kind of interesting in that they didn't really explain what happens to Baby Bear when he goes into the black hole like obviously after the fact they you know they show like um kind of quick images of him like getting tortured like if he's on like the other side like in hell but like it just all of a sudden the whole ship explodes right i don't know that was a little weird and one thing i thought was interesting so 
what Brian's referring to, the Christian Schlater Jr. goes into the black goo inside the gravity drive, which is apparently also a black hole. Like, you see what I mean? It's just kind of all over the place. I think they're using terms to try and be familiar, but whatever. Right. He comes out. He gets loopy-possessed black eyes, goes into an airlock, comes to realize, oh, what's going on? I don't want to die. Yeah, he's like, Mama Bear, please. (laughs) And then he gets really hurt, and then they put him in one of those stasis things. This is something I thought was like a really seriously missed opportunity at the end of the movie. He's the only person who transfers over to the other side and comes back, right? Right. And yet he's one of the three survivors. So if anybody would have a lingering demon or something inside of him, it'd be him. Like, Sam Neill doesn't even cross over to the other side. Well, he does after he gets ejected out of the ship. But that's way down the line. Yeah, that's way down the line. And it's also very briefly explained. Oh, well, I was... It it won't let me go away. It's brought me back. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah. So, speaking of that area where Sam Neill's all crazy and scarred up. <laughs> Satanic says, Sam, uh, Sam Neill. <laughs> yeah, what he... Did I say Sam Raimi? No, no, no. It's Satanic Sam Neill. Oh, Satanic. I was like, whoa. <laughs> um, he says, where we're going, we won't need eyes to see. And of course I cut off the to see. And then I think of Back to the Future. Roads, where we're going, we won't need roads. And I can't take that scene seriously. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's funny too, right? Because he says that, but then he has eyeballs, right? After yep. he cut them out of his head. He goes to hell and then comes back with all these scarves all over his face. But he has his eyeballs. Yeah, and Hmm. it's also interesting. He's not a physically imposing presence. No. So when he's throwing Larry Fish around, uh, he's bopping him. It could have been good if it was really good sound effects and some darker ambiance, but instead it's... Yeah, it's very much... It's it's reminiscent of, like, the Batman and Robin. Yeah. Bitch, zap, <laughs> zoop. Uh, so that that's kind of nitpicky, but at the same point, that's the climax of the movie. You can't be screwing that up. No, definitely not. It's uh, I mean, I I can tell you one thing. I wasn't on the edge of my seat when I was watching it, but you know, it was entertaining. So let me ask you a quick question. I know we're literally jumping back and forth through the whole movie, but that's kind of the way the whole movie feels when you're watching it. Um, establishing shot inside the vent horizon you see the crappy cgi stuff floating around uh to show we're in zero gravity even though they're in an atmosphere right it shows like a crescent wrench and a bunch of other random shit yeah did you notice the watch there's like a watch floating i didn't i, I, I didn't. really tried to stop it and look and see if i could find the brand of watch or anything because i'm so cynical now in 2018 time where like oh anytime you see anything in the movie i was like oh they, that company paid money for this. Yeah. And this is <laughs> capitalism. Like in Superman Returns when the fucking phone is like right next to the camera and you're like, okay, come on now. This is this is excessive. It's like some like so, Casio. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. That'd be awesome. It was Dwight Schrute. Because you know. <laughs> it's not that far in the future. Dwight Schrute could have passed it down to the little <laughs> blonde baby kid. Because think about this. 2015 is the first permanent colony on the moon. 2040, the ship gets lost. 2047 is where we find the crew. Right. So, 2015, we were supposed to be on the fucking moon. And so to that, I say, thanks, Dick Cheney. Yeah. It's so funny when you see movies that have, uh, like, they're predicted. um, I mean, obviously, it's a sci-fi or, 
you know, so there's fun little theories about what's going to happen in the future. But like when you see these movies that like where we're clearly past uh, what they theorized, um, you know, we would be up in space by 2015. I always find it kind of fun. <laughs> I love like, movies like Terminator 2 where it's like, oh yeah, so Judgment Day is I think August 20th, 2000 something. And I loved the fact that I was smug enough to watch it on the day and be like, <laughs> I don't see any fucking nuclear wars. <laughs> Thanks James Cameron yeah. making promises you can't keep. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was funny. 2015, I'm like, wow, we're a little behind. Oh, yeah, wow. a lot of behind. <laughs> Um, so in terms of technology and where we're at, I want that captain's chair. Oh, you know, I want to know how much did that fucking thing cost? Because if we're talking $67 million budget or whatever, that's like a a cool 500 grand and it's in the movie like twice. That's funny. Yeah. It's, uh, it's funny. So I, you know, I, I, uh, asked Michelle if she wanted to watch and of course she obliged. And, uh, one of the first things she said was, wait, I could have sworn he was walking. Is he handicapped? <laughs> oh, like he's Professor Xavier. And he, he's like just hanging all gimp-like in the suit or in the in the seat. Yeah, that's kind of funny. Yeah, it, it, actually, it's kind of one of the things that's interesting is this industrial aesthetic gets used a lot. I think it's really interesting in this movie because it's a little bit more like Art Deco, and there's some diversity in it. Uh, but when you compare it to like movies like Alien Resurrection super similar um one of the things i thought was amazing there's a door and the door just closes and for some reason that door has spikes and if i were with sam neil the guy who designs the ship and i see a door with unnecessary spikes i say hey dog what's up with that (laughs) yeah do you have some kind of spike fetish that i should know about because (laughs) it's much more likely that i'm going to be impaled if there are more spikes in this deserted spaceship right yeah that whole door sequence and the tunnel right he's like oh it feels like i'm walking through a meat grinder and it's like yeah that's exactly what it is it's a fucking meat grinder yeah and like give me a justification for that like tell me lie to me and tell me that's too artificially induced gravity or something right and not just that it's a fun house effect to make you feel disoriented yeah, it's, I don't know. I mean, it's it looks cool, but definitely I understand where you're coming from. Like, uh, there's no real reason for that. I feel like Sam Neill maybe described it while he was passing through briefly. But again, it's one of those things where it's they talk about it briefly, and uh, then you forget about it. So, yeah. And like, so going back to Sam Neill, I think this is kind of the final point I want to make with him. We have the most screen time with him when it comes to the descent into madness. He's the first character that you really establish with when he's having the hallucinations and you know he's looking at the sink and freaking out. And he has the most instances of, you know, disorientation when he's in like the cube type thing. Right, um, right. But it's still like not clear until he has to physically say or, you know, personally say and espouse all this rhetoric and exposition and say, Oh, well this and I was workaholic and this and it's like being a workaholic doesn't make someone kill themselves, bro. Yeah, exactly. And that was one of those things that was really weird, too. It's like that whole, I don't know, they kind of tried to make it seem like it was a backstory on, like, why his wife killed himself. But at the same time, you're like, well, that's not really a valid reason. So, I don't know. I'm more confused now than I was before. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, it's one of the things that's interesting is that none of the characters are really shown as having any kind of darkness to them whatsoever. 
So they're more victims, which I get. But at a certain point, you're almost thinking of it as like their comeuppance. Because the only person who really is like, you know, having retribution or paying for past sins is Larry Fish. Because right. his like crewman died before. Everybody else is just like, a you know, an innocent, at least as far as they're portrayed. You know, I guess modern times is a bit more cynical. You know, we've had shows like Dexter and stuff, or or look at Breaking Bad, where you're rooting for the bad guy, arguably. So we're not so taken aback at the idea that somebody would have some kind of sin or closeted issue. Um, So that was something that's kind of weird because it's. I get that you want your characters to be victims, but at a certain point, we don't have enough. I mean, when you have an ensemble cast of that many characters, it's hard to establish an emotional connection and build that sense of suspense. Yeah, so. that's it's it's interesting, you know, and that that kind of loops back to uh, what I was saying earlier. As far as um, it seems like the only people that the the ship was really attacking, although you know at the same time, Baby Bear didn't really, Baby Christian Slater didn't really um, kind of have a backstory as far as if he had any kind of inner demons, or whatnot. But like it seemed like the ship was just attacking anybody that had like that like. Um, something that was really putting an emotional strain on them, right? So it's like Mama Bear with her kid, um, Larry Fish with uh, the guy who, you know, died on his watch. But other than that, I mean, Dr. Weir, right? It's because of his wife who killed herself. But everybody else from the crew didn't really get affected, right? Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Yeah, I mean, it would have been kind of cool if you would have, like, everybody would have had some sort of issue. That way you would have seen multiple characters kind of have their own issues to deal with. Like, um, not uh, Blonde Chick from Jurassic Park. I guess she was just like a squeaky clean chick who had no, uh, you know, repressed issues whatsoever. Well, it makes her the Laurie Strode of the movie, right? She's the innocent, you know, virgin-type character who's chased and does nothing wrong, and so that's why she survives. But apparently she's, like, the second-in-command, which is really stupid, right? Because you're like, where the fuck have you been? Yeah, that's a fair criticism. I think that's one of the things. I think this movie could have really benefited from a little bit of a, a, a tiny sprinkling of Star Trek, which is to say we have a few very key characters, and then you save, like, the mayhem for the red shirts. Right, have a bigger crew, you know. How about this? How about there's a military offensive, or there's like a, a badass SEAL Team Six, and we're gonna <laughs> save the fucking day. And they go over, and they're just gone. Right? Like, Wait, what? And then so you're left with the engineers and these people. That makes a dire circumstance. It builds a hell of a lot more suspense than just like going in and be like, oh, look at that spooky, you know, light show that I saw. That's supposed to be an engine, even though, I mean. I took a couple of mechanics classes back at community college. Uh, no, no idea how a spiraling orb with spikies and flashlights propels that engine. No criticism. Hey, man. It's ahead of our time. All right, maybe in the future. Yeah. My, my crude monkey brain of 2018 isn't sophisticated enough to understand 2047. Which, so long as I don't like die in a car accident, which is actually kind of likely in California, <laughs> I might actually live to see. I'm like, man, Isn't you might weird? want to knock on wood. That's um, yeah. pretty tough to say. Uh, so, one of the things I think we should touch on is the director. Uh, you had mentioned Paul Anderson, uh, the guy who directed Mortal Kombat, so he's pretty red hot at this time. But one of the things you and I were talking about before the show was it, like, forgive the terminology, the, the phraseology if you will, but I think Mortal Kombat was retard proof. And by that I mean, 
it was. It was. It, yeah. It's. It's. Def- it was such a hot property. Right. Like nobody could fail. Right. It's one of those things where like the the video game was just like blowing up, and you really can have anybody act as Kano, and people are gonna love it. Absolutely. It's one of those movies where you're waiting for the beats, and so if it's like if you hear somebody say "finish him" or "your soul is mine." And you see a car, uh, bicycle kick, you're like, "This is the best movie ever." Although Goro has four arms. You know, it's funny, and it, it, it now that we're talking about it, it dawns on me that the ending music for Event Horizon sounds a lot like some of the stuff you heard in Mortal Kombat. Oh yeah. Well, here's the thing. So, springboarding from there. Paul Anderson also did four of the Resident Evil movies, which all have <laughs> and fucking leather jackets and guys with stupid sunglasses on. And it's like, look, I get it. You know, your adolescence is where you build a lot of your identity that you take into your adult life, which is why I look at a lot of modern music and I'm like, get bent. I'm going to listen to you know, hardcore right, music from right, the 80s. Right. So his, you know, adolescence is probably spent taking ecstasy and being in the trench coat mafia it's definitely possible it's definitely possible but it was just it was really weird right the ending of event horizon and um you know i feel like it's one of those things that we can maybe touch on as far as uh like uh credits like music for the credits right what they chose because um oh my god well it's not somber right like you'd expect an ending like that where she's emotionally vulnerable and she's left in a heap on the floor and it's like yeah well I mean she she's an emotional wreck right and then the door closes and all of a sudden it's like oh my god that's the funky shit and it's like what (laughs) yeah right like look if you're gonna put static X on that's fine Uh, because maybe they are doing well by saying what it's like when worlds collide yeah. Or was that Power... That was Power Man. That was Power... God, but it was yeah. very close. That was very close. Um, they're the same. They're spiritual successors <laughs> to one another. Which actually brings me... The Worlds Collide terrible joke, which I, I bet landed with one of our five listeners. Um, did you notice they keep saying that it's, they're at Neptune? Like they're in Neptune space. Right, right. Um, they did say that. So glad that they didn't end up on Pluto. Because, you know, if you know your mythology, Pluto, Hades, boom... Uh, mm. So it was nice that they were like, ah, just fucking around with Poseidon. Who gives a shit, right? <laughs> um, so uh, one thing I wanted—I don't know that you had reviewed this in your background research. Did you know that Paul Anderson wrote the first sequel to Blade Runner? I did. or didn't wrote he, he directed it. Excuse me, I, I misspoke. I didn't. I did not know that. So check this that's out. That's interesting. Have you ever heard of the movie Soldier with Kurt Russell? Yes. Kurt Russell, one of my all-time favorite characters with McCready in The Thing. Um, So in that movie, there are vehicles that were recycled from Blade Runner. And Paul Anderson said, oh yeah, that's because my movie takes place in the same universe and everything as Blade Runner. So Ryan Gosling is part of a trilogy Hmm. with Kurt Russell and Harrison Ford. That's a pretty great trilogy. Interesting. That's kind of cool. That's a... Wow. I like it. Yeah. And then the last thing I want to touch on with Paul Anderson's directing career, he also did Alien vs. Predator. Oh, you know what? I did read that. I did read that. Which, I mean, it was entertaining. Yeah. It's one of those things where I feel like that's where you have to pay the piper. Because with Mortal Kombat, like I'm saying, 
I feel like anybody who's even competent enough to direct two monkeys butt fucking could have made that movie a hit. Right. What Aliens vs. Predator, that movie was 10 years too late. If they would have struck when the iron was hot and that arcade game was number one, I think he has a better shot. But it's further in the rear view. He takes a lot of liberties. Um, you know, it just doesn't end up as good. Uh, at least, I don't think that his name was with uh, Alien vs. Predator Requiem. Hmm. But, you know, I guess there is a worse side of it, but it's, he certainly didn't get the best of his directorial career with that movie. Right, right. But, you I mean, you look back at it and you think to yourself, okay, so if Paramount Studios ever gave a shit about this movie and let him actually keep majority of what they had shot... Who knows what it would have been, you know? And that's kind of what's cool about this movie, right? And there's almost, like, a cult following with it. Like, I feel like people are either... I'm, I'm really surprised, actually, that you don't see any kind of fan-made um, deleted scenes or, you know, like, the extra film that was lost. Yeah, I think that that's something that if gore and horror had more fan films, I think this would be ripe for it. Um you know, there's the set design. Well, let's just go to that. Uh, I think that's probably the biggest thing that would keep somebody from doing this. Even though when you look at, like, the hell scenes, it's pretty minimalist. Kind of like Hellraiser, almost, with the Cenobites. Right. But there's a lot going on, and there's a lot of attention to detail. Like, when you're looking at the ship, I was, um, you know, I was watching it on my laptop while my wife watched some happy thing. <laughs> I think it was Nailed It on Netflix. Plug for Netflix sponsor our show uh, nailed um, it is so awful i watched it the other night with michelle so, it's so awful bad. but it's delightful it's at the same so point bad. it's like i hate all of these characters <laughs> but i also kind of love them because they make me feel better about myself because i'm like huh, i wouldn't fuck up that bad even though i have no perspective um but as i'm watching the movie i like scoff and i laugh to myself because i think that something i find funny I'd, it'd let me know if this is true or if i'm just aggrandizing myself but i i remarked that the ship looked like it was uh, designed by Trent Reznor's grandson. Hmm. How so? That's not a laugh. What do you mean? You know, like, it had like a hole when he was like, I want to fuck you like an animal and all that stuff. Got it. Okay. That's pretty good. The the grimy music videos and shit. And, you know, the timetable works out. But whatever. He's probably asexual. (laughs) Or he has like some weird vacuum fetish or something. I don't know. So, um... I feel like we're kind of circling the drain here. Any other notes? Oh, I have a big note. Okay, go I have a big on. note. Um, I think this is going to kind of change the perspective that I have when I do research for this show, because my favorite bit of the movie is how they change over time, where it's like liberate tutte me, right? And it right. keeps going, right? And I like it. Um, then I found somebody who had a total nerd alert on the goofs on IMDb, and this is a quote. Liberate tutemet is wrong in Latin. Liberate is second person plural imperative. Tutemet is a emphatic second person singular pronoun. The correct version would have been liberate vos or liberate vos met. Tutemet, which is very rare in form, is also wrongly nominative. An accusative is needed in the sentence for the object of the verb liberate. Okay, so here's the thing, sweetheart. If I say liberate vos the mosatotes, that's not going to get me the same oh, thread. Man. You know what I mean? You got you to load like, board people on the internet. Fuck, right? Holy like, shit. No, I want to tell the guy, pull on the side, but look, bro. 
and no chick is going to suck your dick <laughs> because you went on IMDb. And we're like, excuse me. Yeah. And it was, about a 20-year-old movie. It's, it's funny because that, that brings up another point, right? It was like when they played the video or they played the recording and then it just so happens that one of the guys is like, oh, I happen to know Latin. Hold, please. <laughs> so convenient. Because think about it. They're even further removed from this dead language than we are. Right. And I, I have a, a tattoo that's in Latin. That's the extent of the Latin that I know, except for, like, you know, Greek derivatives. So, mm. it, it, that thing, it, he must be, like, the biggest dork. Like, And you know what? <laughs> People look kind of surprised that he's able to be like, oh, you know, play that back. Because no guy in 2040 is going to freely admit that they were fucking translating Latin. Because people are going to be like, why? Like, this is worse than Klingon, bro. Yeah, and then, people still speak Klingon. And then not only that, but here's the thing also. When they were playing it back over and over again, I actually rewound the, the video. And I couldn't even understand it. I feel like it was cut so badly as far as recording. I don't know if it's purposely supposed to be that bad. They're like, oh, we have to run it through some filters, yada, yada. But, like, I was like, wait, I couldn't even hear the Latin, like, as far as, like, I don't know, when they were trying to, you know, phrase it. So, I don't know. One thing I'm really grateful for, if we can, is she just says she's going to put it through filters, but we don't get to see how that process works or anything. So, it's not like, you know, when somebody's in a spy movie and they're like ticking on their keyboard <laughs> and it's like enhance click click click, click enhance uh, and you take some super pixelated troopers, bullshit like it. <laughs> right it's ridiculous that you know and that's the thing this movie is also a little bit ridiculous in terms of the science like on one hand you say these people need to be in these gel cell things otherwise they're going to be liquefied by the g's and yet you go out of the cell and there's a bunch of stuff all over the counters and everything so <laughs> g's must not have been that hard yeah or like yeah. When the kid enters the airlock, like you mean to tell me, there's not override technology. Yeah, there's no manual override in a ship that tears a hole in existence and allows you (laughs) to supplant yourself in another area of existence. Like, think about that. Yeah. Meanwhile, they have these like floating, like fucking pyramid things that can um, scan the room for life. You know, like life force, right? Those like little lasers that like scan everything. But, like, oh, no, no override. Sorry about it. <laughs> That's a great visual, right? With the green light and the smoke. Um, very reminiscent of Alien. And then I think, you know, also, re- you know, years later was, I think, kind of perfected when they did, um, it's not Alien Covenant. It's the one before that. Whatever. You know which one I'm talking about. I think they call them the wolves where they throw these, like, fly- floating orbs and they map the underground. Oh, right, bullshit. right, right, right. Yeah. Oh, Prometheus. There we go. Thank God. Um, you know, it's a cool visual to kind of show this person's development. Um, but at the same point, it's a little bit silly that we don't have any examples of it working. So when they're like, I'm getting some weird readings, you're like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> Has it ever worked before? Is this like a prototype? Right, that's- right. <laughs> but obviously that's kind of nitpicky because it's like, look, it's not a TV show where we have a long expository history and people doing this. Like, you know, I think I watch too much Star Trek because there's so many instances where technology works that when technology doesn't work, you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Like when the holodeck breaks down, you're like, oh, shit, because I've seen the holodeck work so many times. Yeah. Like, this is something bad. Shit's about to go down. Yeah. Oh. Oh. So uh, as we're wrapping up, uh, what movie would you like to how do I say 
Never mind. <laughs> we didn't. We we did not agree on this because this is the pilot episode, so we're kind of seeing where we're going to go. Um, so yeah, I think we have some schemes ahead as to how to foreshadow future episodes. Right, right. I think in this we're one we do, haven't watched the next one. Right. I think we're going to do maybe like a you know, play on words, try and give a hint, or yeah. I don't know, maybe. I guess we'll have to play it by ear. Yeah, some puzzles and stuff. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna be AFI in 2004 and leave like a little puzzle thing for you to figure out. <laughs> you're gonna call a number and do all this shit because you're gonna love us. I and mean, that's the thing. Let's be real. You know, I'm not tooting my own horn here, but there's gonna be a line of people to jack me off, and I'm sorry. I'm married, yeah. and I also have two hands, so there's at least <laughs> four hands ahead of you in line for the Jake Jack off train. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, you know, why not? So, um, as we wrap up, Brian, is there any closing remark you'd like to make about the film uh, Event Horizon, and is this a movie you would recommend or not? Uh, Yeah, you know, it's definitely a movie that I'd recommend. I've shown it to um, probably, I'd say, a half dozen people, and they all seem to have a genuine interest in the movie. Um, It's not like they're like, oh my god, it's absolutely awful, you know, even though there are glaring problems with uh with the film which um you know with the the studio basically cutting a lot of the things out it's it's hard to put any true blame on the director but um no i don't know i'd i'd recommend it definitely and uh i'll probably watch it in the next uh, couple of years that's one of the things I think I I definitely would recommend watching it uh it, and i also think that this is one of those rare movies where not enough people have seen it, so when you do watch it again, you can watch it with somebody who hasn't seen right. it, which makes it kind of invigorating. And that's and that's always fun, right? Because like, there's the spots where you know something's happening, and you can kind of be a creep and like look at their face as soon as it's about to happen. <laughs> yeah, like for instance, my favorite movie of all time is Monster Squad. A lot of people have seen Goonies, but nobody seems nobody's to have seen, seen Monster, Monster Squad. Squad. And it's funny because it's like around the same era and it's like the same kind of style, right? As, uh, Except the, the, vastly better, like <laughs> on every level. <laughs> so sorry, uh, and I'll fight anybody who says otherwise. Like I will physically fight you with a mouth guard and a cup, and you don't get either of those pieces of equipment. So I'll pretty much I'm gonna rupture one of your testicles and pop out a tooth. <laughs> what about you? Uh, you have any uh, closing remarks on Event uh, Horizon? Yeah, I think that you know I, it's easy to point out the things that don't work and the things that you're critical of in a review. I mean, that's just that's the salacious stuff that gets attention. But really, like this is a good movie for what it's at. There hadn't been anything really like this that had succeeded. And if you look at its contemporaries, like this is a good movie. Like you compare it to Ghosts of Mars or Red Planet or any of this bullshit. I mean, yeah, absolutely, it, it, they're not good. It holds its own. It, it does. It does, and I think it's also it. it that's the thing is it's peerless though it has peers what i mean by that is it's so much better than these other movies that even though it's got its flaws that we've kind of harped on quite extensively it's still so far ahead of a movie like red planet where i don't even care um so definitely watch the movie check it out enjoy yourself um i think you can find it on a lot of different platforms and also don't be a cheap bastard maybe this is one that you buy on shit um, it's gotta be so cheap <laughs> oh yeah i have i got my copy off of amazon and it's one of those things where it's it's not popular enough to where it's probably going to be on any streaming service but fucked if i know because i i either have movies or i'm very particular about watching movies that have a great acclaim to them so that's going right. to be one in moving forward when we talk about 
why we picked a movie, that's huge because I can watch the same movie a thousand times. I don't know about you. So very often I'd rather watch something that I already know I'm going to like at least this much than risk hating a movie. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's one of those things that's definitely rewatchable. And, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things, like you said before, um, if you watch it again, um, especially a couple years later, it's, you tend to find things that you missed, uh, you know, the times before. So agreed. Right on. Well, Ryan, it's been a pleasure. Uh, let's do this again, you know, not 938 days. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got it right. 938 days yeah. between the next one. It might, it might be uh, a little shorter than that, maybe like five, six days from now. Perfect. I like that very much. Also, it gives me an excuse to watch a horror movie while my baby sleeps and my wife glares at the back of my head for not sharing quality time with her yeah. because she hates horror movies. It gives me uh, some quality time with Michelle so she can have some fucked up dreams. I love there you it. Go. And also, um, you know, I realize we're not releasing this to the public, so these are all our friends who are going to be sending feedback and everything. If you have any recommendations, please let us know. Uh, one thing I think would be really funny is to do... Uh, an episode driven by the wives where they watch the movie and kind of explain it to us. Oh, uh, absolutely. I would, that sounds awesome. I think awesome. that'd be amazing. Yeah, that sounds Just amazing. Just to get things from their perspective. Yeah, maybe we could do like a midway point one or something. That'd be cool. Absolutely. Like, this is like, I, there are a lot of movies that I think are tweeners that could totally work for the layman. Like, Leprechaun. Oh, Leprechaun so was good. written as a children's movie. So right? It is not that gory, but it's got enough spook to where you can have some fun with it. And so movies like that. So if you have anything, Tremors, Gremlins, Critters. I mean, there's so many movies kind of in that vein of like creature feature things where, you know, it's funny enough to where, you know, my wife doesn't have to watch it through well, you know, I mean, trepidatious breaths. Let's, let's put it this way. I mean, anything with a Baconator in it, it's definitely a must, so... Are we doing six degrees of seven bacon? Or ten <laughs> seven, seven bacon. bacon. What yeah, the man. fuck? <laughs> Mathematics. So, yeah. Let me check this. One before we go. Six degrees. Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe. You know, it's another one that's like kind of a tweener as well. Is like Hollow Man. Even though it's kind of fucked up because he like basically rapes a chick. But, you know. Yeah, when he like tweaks her titty and stuff, you're like, that's not. Well, he's right. he's like basically like the chick's like sleeping and he like he's invisible and like he like totally like. I'm pretty sure he does more than just like twist her nipple. <laughs> yeah, not sure. I try to do six degrees of Kevin Bacon with Sam Neill, and Google used to just have a function built in, and now it doesn't. Oh, that's buzzkill. Thanks. Thank you very much, Google. You've let me down. You've let me use your free services not only to record this podcast, but also run my entire life. And now uh, you don't do this one thing, so you're dead to me. I'm going to be a, a Bing guy moving Oh, forward. Bing, huh? Oh, yeah. See you later. <laughs> oh, I'm actually using an official website, Sam Neill. Bada bada boom. Sam Neill was in Bicentennial Man with M. Beth Davids was in Murder in the First with Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Jesus, that's only two degrees. Yeah, it's it's really bananas how that all works. And it Let's always see, works. I do Axel Foley in space. Nope, doesn't come up. All right, I win. <laughs> I like it. All right, well, all right. Uh, I think we're good, right? Yeah, yeah, thank you, goons. Have a great week. Thanks, guys. Uh, have a good night. <laughs>